Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Burlington. Except no substitute. Greetings, 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 dear listeners. Welcome to the block-rocking beats of the status quo. My name is Francis Rossi. Joining us on the show today is our very own Rick Parfit, the bad boy of South East London sports journalism, Mr. Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good morning, Nick. Thank you for having me on. I am still buzzing off of uh, actually witnessing a Millwall win for the first time in in, in over a one calendar year, like 2019 was the last time I actually got to see a Millwall home win and I don't think this feeling will leave me until at least next Saturday. Well, I'm still playing the rocking over the world underneath our voices, so um, I've got my denim and leather on, I'm really ready to go for it. Um, no, I mean, I suppose it is that long as one way and the other, it's just not worked out for you at the den, is it? Um, a, a really strange game, Ryan, yesterday. I, I, I don't know what to make of it in some ways. I'm enjoying it just for the moment. I'm just thinking I'm going to go with the flow on on, on yesterday's performance. But we were just saying off air, weren't we? That, you know, that opening um, up until really the, just before the penalty, it was as grim and as turgid, I think, as I've seen in, in some years at the Den. And then the second half totally transformed. I, I'd love to know what Gary Rowett said to the team at half time, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, something must have been said. I think everyone came out quite... But I think everyone on the pitch played almost twice as good after half time. I mean, the first 35, 40 minutes were, like you say, as as bad as something anything we've seen this season, really. That players yeah. couldn't shoot passes together. They were just there was nothing going forward. We weren't threatening. Rowett said that, you know, we were starting to press for a goal just before the penalty, which was we were starting to take a bit more control of it again. But we we were, you know, the penalty was really poor from them and it was really gave us a lifeline. And he said it changed their energy and the, the attitude of the team. And it really did because until then, I think I tweeted just before half time that it was just aimless long balls and P players losing their feet and stupid fouls. And I mean, the amount of times that a middle player dived, there were about three or four times they dived in the box. Mm. Yeah. Like a, they looked like a team that was desperate like they were desperate for a home win but they just looked all over the place and he, that was shown in the Wednesday goal really some really poor defending just miscommunication and people in the wrong places when they should be and and then Patterson getting the goal but what a turnaround at half time obviously a couple of changes through injury and a bit of a tactical tweak but 
it's just such a difference. And I think everyone came out so much more energised and and to round off like that with all the goals, I think that could really give the team a boost. It's not one of the the niggly one nil wins that no. you know that it's you know like the Preston away win and the wins. It was a decisive win, wasn't it? You know, it, it's it was... a really yeah. I think it's an emphatic win. It's like the the Forest win. I know that was different because they were you know a playoff rival, but the energy that seemed to generate, obviously, then the the season got postponed. But this game hopefully can create that sort of energy again. Shown Mill can score some some good goals and can score goals and you know hopefully we can keep it going with a couple of tough games coming up but you know it could be there it was great to see i mean obviously coming into the game in one of my notes to myself listeners was uh, can the lions continue a sense of recovery we've had some some good performances and and a really strong performance you know where we battered um norwich in the week wasn't it and and you know really took the game to them um and could we continue that? And I, the answer seemed to be um, no at the start of the game. We couldn't continue it. I mean, I, I didn't know how much of that was down to the um, possibly enforced team changes. Obviously, we've got Jed, Ben Thompson, Danny Mack sitting on the bench. New boy, uh, George Evans, making a start in defence. I thought the defence looked flaky. I thought, oh, my God, what have we done here by bringing in a bloke that's made things worse than rather than better? But I think as... Certainly as the first half wore towards the penalty, we were starting to get a foothold in it. But, I mean, there were moments in that first half, right? Especially once we went a goal down, um, you know, um, poor defence to allow the shot with a guy laying on the floor, basically. I thought, what have we done? Um, yeah, it was... That that consistency was a really important thing for me. I asked Rao about it after the game because it did look like it was going that way. I think it's been so typical of us, especially this season, to have a really good performance. And you think, right... This could this could be it now. We could, you know, make a bit of difference. Like, you know, we'd won away at Preston and then lose 3-0 at home to Huddersfield and or draw the draw at um at Bournemouth and you think we're gonna get something from it and get a bit of energy and then lose the next game. And it's been so inconsistent following up one good performance. And that to see the players actually turn around and do that is is really promising. But yeah, the first half, I mean, I was certain Sean Hutchinson would be sent off before half time and I think he could easily have been. Yeah, he looked if the, ref, um, if the ref had been in a different mood, he could have been sent off because he was just all over the place making stupid fouls and for he has a, he has it in him sometimes Hutchinson that he can just lose his head a little bit and start out. The physical battle with Callum Patterson was was a really good one. I think I saw a couple of play, people tweet saying you know they'd love a player like Callum Patterson for Mill, and I think he is a nasty bastard. Really like, he's yeah. a really likable player. Like you yeah. hate him. It's a classic one of hate to play against him, but you'd love him if he was yours. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, the players just all over the place. The defence were, they couldn't string passes together, just miscontrol. Nothing was happening for them. I think Keefton Bell, I know he came off an injury, but he had had a, a poor game. There was the moment where he just hoofed the ball. You know, and the, the changes was interesting because I think before the game, the, the word was that it was all all injury related. But after the game, Rowett, you know, said they were tactical, said that, you know, Romeo, other than Jed, I think has had a knock. But other than, you know, brought, wanted to bring Romeo back in and give him a chance. and just thought he wanted to, to change the midfield around a bit. So it'd be interesting if that's maybe him trying to take a bit of credit. But uh, yeah, yeah, he really seemed to maybe disrupt the team and it was it was really odd. But then to completely turn that around is a credit to, I think, to both the management and the players. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, we're, we're focusing on the, the start of the game. You can't have the drama of the second without really considering how poor 
for the most part. I mean, I'm just looking at the, my notes here. We weren't even remotely dangerous until about one move where we looked like we might have a, something in it uh, going forwards on 21 minutes and um, turgid. I've written to myself at 30 minutes. So, you know, it, it gives a picture, listeners. If mm. you've watched it, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, and then gradually we did start to get a foothold in a couple of moments. And the, the penalty was most welcome, Ryan. I mean, I, I think, you know, as we said, just before we started recording, I, I felt a real sense of relief when uh, Ryan Leonard, uh, who I thought was one of our standout players yesterday, he, he left a little bit early in the game to, for man of the match, perhaps, but he was a real standout performer. Yeah. But he did well to take and, turn, and draw the foul inside the box, which is naive on the part of Sheffield Wednesday, but Jesus, we'll take it, won't we? Yeah, I think yeah, it really put, like you saw it, as soon as I saw it happen, I was like, why has he done that? Like, it wasn't yeah. that threatening position. I know Leonard had turned him and potentially could have got a shot away or a pass, but he just, it was such a cynical just pulling him down that was, from, Wednesday, from a Wednesday perspective, you know, be pulling your hair out because they need yeah, points as many as they can get. And yeah. and we had looked so bad. I know there's a tweet that's gone around from a, a Wednesday journalist saying, you know, could Mill look completely bereft of confidence? They look like saying basically we look awful and we can't string passes together and he's not surprised how bad we've we've been lately because of it, which I think, you know, would have been a fair comment from uh, someone who's, that's the only 30 minutes they've watched of Millwall, but just give us that lifeline. And I think we don't get much of the rub of the green. I think we haven't had it this season in a lot of aspects with the injuries and, and decisions in certain games and just performances really not warranting what they they should. But to get that stroke of luck where... We can get level pegging, and Tahor finished it so well. I was he took it really well. Yeah, I agree. Really, like you know, it shows a uh, good strikers score don't really miss penalties that much, and he he very much took a leaf out of Jed's book of just properly dispatching it, which yeah. I think is you know quickly becoming the only way to really take a penalty. But yeah, that that just lifted the whole team, and that must have been when when it came in half time. I think obviously we'll touch on Scott Malone later, but it was really interesting when the the Huddersfield goal. The Huddersfield goal went in, or the Sheffield Wednesday goal went in. Yeah, Scott Malone was really, really giving it to Zahor and John Daddy because they obviously didn't really press or move at all to, to kind of let Wednesday build through the attack. And obviously came down the opposite side of the pitch to what Malone was on. And, you know, Zahor marched over to him. They squared up for, for quite some time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting to see, you know, obviously bad luck and it was bad attitudes, but to see that, that fire... With the players that you know maybe the iFollow cameras didn't catch i don't know if people saw it at home but they, they really really squared up and you can okay. see the didn't really off. catch that on the iFollow i'm not aware of it anyway but no but it's it was really good it was you know not nothing serious like very much uh let's fire go, it's, it's passion you want to see it don't you? and that's yeah. really what you want to see and, and like especially from scott malone we're talking again i was over touching him later but leading and and yeah communicating and, and saying to people you know this isn't good enough and people on the pitch, players looking like they care in that they've, they've been playing shit and they know it and we need to change it. I think it worked really well and the penalty definitely helped just spark that on. I mean, you mentioned John Daddy. Um, he was something of a, I think even you said, Ryan, um, a controversial choice to start in the absence of uh, a proven uh, talent like Jed Wallace. Um, many of us, me, myself in, included, probably wouldn't have started John Daddy. That decision came good in the second half, but um, walking off at half time, I kind of understand Malone's, um, you know, he's got the hum, hasn't he? I mean, you know, you're not seeing, yeah. there's a player being given a chance, a player, we've already seen the exit of uh, Jerry Skalak. Um, we'll come back to him later, but 
John Daddy's not taking his chance, and that would give you the right arsehole, in my opinion. And, and Malone's shown that. I, I think that's great to see. Yeah, I think I, I mean I, I like I like Scott Malone. I think he's a really good fit for Millwall. I think you know I, he didn't leave with that much animosity the first time no. round. He was clearly a player with up, upward trajectory, and I think he's you know he's been around. He's he's obviously a lot older now, but he's he's yeah. had Premier League experience. He's a he's a quality player, and I think he he is a a player of higher quality than a lot of the players in our squad. So he probably has quite high standards of himself. He can be a bit hot and cold at times, but he's going for a really good run of form at the moment. And, you know, he said before the game, it's slightly concerning, but it proved good in the end that with Jed Wallace not on the pitch, our left back was probably our best attacking threat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was was so interesting the amount of times he he ran through the middle, took up, like, he's not just making classic fullback, wingback overlapping runs to get crosses in the box. He was... At times, I think, especially at the beginning of the second half, he must have been given license from Rowett, where he's playing as an attacking midfielder, as a central midfielder. I think Leonard was dropping in and filling back for him. But he's just taken the game by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, that's hard to do from left wing back. But he gets in the box well. He gets goals. He's he's akin to, like, I guess, a Marcus Alonso type player at Chelsea, how he yeah. left back. But you know he will get you five or six goals a season. I think he's on three now at just over halfway. So he'll get you five or six goals and some assists. And I'm just seeing that passion and that that the bottle to, to call out your teammates and to demand more of everyone, not just yourself, I think uh, is, a, is a really positive Millwall trait that, you know, the fans would like to see. Well, that's what Gary Rowett will want to be seeing from the from the sideline after a poor first half, let's be, let's be frank. Kifton Belt, who, like Malone, Ryan, I think also is a player of touch and skill. He didn't have a good game yesterday. That, that happens. We don't know if he's carrying a knock. Conditions were not easy yesterday. The pitch is is, is tough, as, as we, we've said a few times on these shows. Replaced by another player at half-time, um, and a crucial player in, in, in many respects for the second half, Ben Thompson. Um, you know, people have, have, have um, messaged on, on Twitter saying, can we now put to bed the idea that, uh, or, the, or, the, or the, um, the opinion that Ben's not good enough? Because I think Ben showed in that second half exactly what, you know, I'll I'll take having my words round down my throat any day of the week if it produces a Millwall four-one win. And Ben came really, really good in that second half. It was a, it was actually a critical substitution at halftime, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the, the change, like I said, you know whether or not it was purely injury, is like if Keith Bell maybe couldn't have carried on whatsoever, that that made Rowett make the change, or if it was a bit tactical as well. But I think Thomas' introduction really, really did spot the team on. I think that the slight change, I think we set up so defensively yeah. like against at home against Wednesday, who aren't the best team in the league by any stretch of the imagination. And with Keefton Beld, Woods and Leonard on the midfield, it's Leonard has to do a lot of the running and he yeah. was played a bit more advanced, but with Woods and Keefton Beld, it's very much safety first. And I think just by dropping Leonard back one and letting Tomo go a bit further forward. You saw at times he was pushing between the centre backs and pressing through there, so or between the strikers even. So he was making like a front three at times with that license to go forward. And it's just that being positive, I think. It's it's what Millwall fans want to see of, you know, we're one all at home against a rubbish team. Like why we should be trying to win this. And I think it's one of the the few times recently, I think Rowett, people have you know been getting into Rowett about his substitutions and, and not really making positive changes to try and win games. And I think this was definitely one of them where you can see Tomo just he just brought the whole team forward five yards. And you know I, I didn't think he wasn't having a, a fantastic game up until his goal. Um, you know he was looking well, but as soon as he got that goal, I think 
the amount of confidence that was in him, there was a, a little, like a little Cruyff turn, a little, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. some nice passes. And he is a player who who just needs that that confidence boost. I think. I think he he's got ability. He's definitely you know a squad player. I think. I don't. He needs to kick on quite a bit to be a a regular starter. But I think his injury set him back quite a lot last year. People forget he was out for quite a long time with a, a quite a bad ankle injury that he had down at Swansea. And I think he just needs to get a bit of confidence. I'm sure we'll talk about whether whether or not he meant the goal. It's, I think it's one of the harder ones to tell. It is hard to tell. Um, he he yeah. did drive the team forward. And like you have to give him credit. I think a lot of people haven't been getting on his back. I liked his tweet. I know you mentioned it about, you know, must be the new studs in his boots. When, uh, <laughs> he is liable to, to the odd falling over, as, uh, as we saw in Cardiff. But, you know, it shows he's aware. He, you know, he's a Millwall fan. He, he knows how, what goes on. People talking about him. So... Well, this to is have it. A, have his moment is a really nice thing for him. I mean, the whole team, the whole team were, were you know, at the start of the game, were pretty much carrying a piano on their backs. They, you know, they, these these players are creatures of the modern age. They they read the same things that um, the likes of you and I post online. They must, I can't believe they don't listen to shows like this. They will hear all of the views and opinions, and it must be difficult to 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 listen to that and then go and play with some modicum of freedom, um, which is what we saw in the second half. And it was wonderful to see it um, because that's the kind of mural that we we want to see, players expressing themselves and players of clear talent. You know, each of the players we've mentioned in this in this show so far are talented players. They just haven't shown it. And it was great to see it being shown. I mean, the goal when it came on 67 minutes was by Scott Malone was incredible. It was one of the best goals I think I've seen at the new den since construction. It, it, it's in that category, just for the sheer touch and skill shown by a player running from the left. If you saw that on your on your, your Eurosport continental highlights, you'd be raving about it, Ryan, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's an absolutely phenomenal goal. I think the the technique that he has and you know he I think he, he gets in the box. He starts so wide with that and obviously the nice little like volleyed one two with Williams. Yeah. And obviously the the you know the Gazares flick over the yeah. over the defender and the volley like it's wonderful all, every aspect of it is wonderful <laughs> but that attack attacking intent to to get in the box like that and i think what was really really satisfying with it was the you know the kieran westwood had made three really decent saves. yeah yeah you had yeah. tomo was unlucky not to score obviously george evans's little free kick was great quick thinking i think nice way to introduce yourself i think with a little dink like that shame it, it didn't go in but you start to then think after those three saves you know the, the John Daddy one the Hutchinson header and then and the Tomo's one you start to think it's going to be another one of these days where it just doesn't happen for us and it's going to it's going to be one all by the final whistle and you're going to be left wondering what if but to have it broken with such fantastic goal I think how the players celebrated obviously because of the quality of it but you could see the relief I think pour yeah. out of them and I imagine it was the same for, for everyone watching as well, just to actually take the lead after being 1-0 down and and such a good second-half performance to that point. Just, yeah, the, the weight off your shoulders and then the quality just to enjoy it. And from then on, I think the Millwall just turned it on. And I think that shows, you know, the, the quality of the goal kind of brought that out of everyone. Garrett Rowett said after the game that we, we kept our foot on the gas. And I thought that was, you know, the most important thing he said, really, that... He said, we haven't done that this season where we really don't. We can start games brightly, have a good 20-minute spell and then drop off or we can look for a winner and test teams but never quite get it. And yesterday, they just kept their foot on the gas and they got one and they were like, right, now we can get three, now we can get four, now we can get five. And it's, you know, it's 
it was a really good performance. My, my dad actually texted me before the game and I, I texted him saying, you know, I've, I've got a good feeling about this one. And he was like, me too, it'll be 5-1. And uh, <laughs> get, get the lottery numbers off of him next yeah. week, Ron. We went, we went one nil down, and I texted him, being like, you know, it's still on. <laughs> and, uh, so I couldn't quite believe it when they were flying in left, right, and centre. But I really think that that Malone quality, that, that fantastic goal, really just sparked the whole team into to life, really. The Malone goal, I mean, I don't know what the neighbours make of me at the best of times, but um, I, because of iFollow's deadpan coverage, and we will come back to that in a little bit, I couldn't actually tell it got in the net at first. I thought we'd missed yes. it because you get this kind of single view from the top of the, the, the West Upper and that's it, you know. And I was kind of, did he, I, I shouted out, fuck. He's, ah, yeah. <laughs> I, so I've, I really don't know what the neighbour next door was at, having, a, <laughs> having a fag next door. I don't know what he thought I was doing or what I was watching, but anyway. Um, no, incredible goal of the season already. I can't, I can't imagine there's going to be anything to beat it. Um, if there is, there's going to be some goal, we'll put it that way. Um, and then a minute later, obviously Ben, um, in his, um, in, in live and foraying forward role now coming down the, uh, the right side as memory, memory serves. And it's like a, a, a shot come cross. I think we'll call it a shot, shall we? Right. I think we meant that. Yeah, it was such, <laughs> it was such a weird one because, it's in the category of if it was a cross, it was one of the worst crosses I've ever seen. <laughs> because that is not how you strike the ball to cross it. Because he really, really wellied it, and he really, you know, he got the dip on it, and the, and if he sliced that, that he should try and slice it more often. But yeah, I mean, went... I, I'm really not sure if that was a shot. And I haven't seen because obviously, yeah, like you said with the iPhone, you don't get the best. You don't angle. get much, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the so the camera struggled to keep up at the best of times. So it's hard to work out exactly what he's doing. You know, I'm sure he'll claim it, but yeah, I think it left Westwood. It was a fantastic strike. The, the speed and the dip that he got on it was uh, was excellent. And to get it a minute later was just you know completely out of the blue as well. I think we don't get many goals like that that just happen out of out of the blue. I know Rowett said well after a game last year, I think it was how hard we have to work for a goal and that is so true you know to get one goal normally we have to work our absolute bollocks off but to have two in two minutes and one of them being one of them being Gazares goal of the season contender and one of them to be a, a dipping shot cross sort of thing really did a it, I wasn't really sure what what to think at that time well I mean Ben's enthusiasm and I think that's his massive single biggest weapon in in his armory um you know he's, he's, he has skill he has touch uh sometimes it comes through sometimes it doesn't but if ben is a classic Millwall player like like harry cripps in the past the, these mm. are not the most gifted of players but they will give you enthusiasm you know they'll run into the ground for you and that's what ben thompson does mm. i'm more than happy to be shown the error of my ways if he's going to put balls into danger areas like that and, and beat a decent goalkeeper there right i mean to deceive the goalkeepers that performed a few miracle saves a few minutes earlier and then make him look like a monkey, you know, is, is, <laughs> it's not easy to do. So well yeah, done, Ben sent, Thompson. Sent him, sent him clattering into the post. And I think, I think that's the thing with Thompson. I think if he can get, I think people will forgive a lot of his game as well. If, if he can just get a little bit more clinical in front of goal, obviously, you know, this is a, a slightly different effort, but even that, you know, the first one that he was well saved, but if he can become a little bit more clinical, he'll get, decent goals. I think there's a couple games, you know, putting a header over and he just, he's a few times he's, he gets into really good positions arriving late into the box and he just doesn't quite have the finish on him. If he can just be a bit more clinical and get five or six or seven goals a season from the midfield, you know, if you're getting into George Savile territory of goal numbers, you know, then it'll be a massive boost to the team and make him, 
you know, cement a place in the side, really. I think the, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the major lesson for the squad, because I'm sure Gary Rowett will um, will tell them this, is, is if, if you put the ball into danger areas and are consistently accurate, at least getting the ball on target and shooting, then things will happen. And, that, you know, just have the confidence to, to go forwards. I th- I'm sure this will be a, um, a, a huge weight off of everyone's collective shoulders. And I think that was shown by the fourth goal, which was a really good, Marlon run and shot, and he's he's been getting some um, online digs um, from you know from people, um, but you can't do any more than make a run forwards um, shoot. I think it took a deflection for Tom Bradshaw's getting the credit, which seems seems harsh. But that was a great goal for four uh, one, Ryan, wasn't it? I mean, that was that was a really good Marlon effort. I thought. Yeah, I think um, it was it was a great drive run. I thought I thought Marlon had quite a good game. I think he was kind yeah, of on I did. Par with with everyone else in the first half of not being up to scratch but you know he hadn't played in a few games but I think second half he was really strong really confident bringing the ball out I was I was chatting you know some of the some of the guys at the game yesterday saying you know w- what is it with Marlon and, and Danny Matt like I think at the moment there's not a lot between them I think if you look at statistically the sort of players they are and the sort of numbers they they bring I know Danny Matt does have a slightly better delivery on him but not miles beyond Marlon you know it's not he doesn't he hasn't created a load of chances from his from his crossing. I think it, it aesthetically maybe looks a bit better, but sometimes putting it in the right areas or what looks like the right areas isn't isn't the best. But and he's still a bit naive defensively. But you know he's young, and I think what it is is they're they're very much on a par. And Romeo's been our starting right back for you know coming up to five six seasons now, yes, so yes, they, yes. Should, they shouldn't be on a par with a guy that's just coming through. And I think that's the that's the issue. I think for that that. I think Mill fans really want Romeo to kick on. And I think when Rowick came in, he really looked like he was kicking on. He looked a phenomenal player last season. I remember writing at the end of last season that he was, you know, our most improved player since Rowick came in with, um, you know, the link-up play he'd had with Jed. I think we were getting so used to seeing bombing runs down the right in that in that 5-2-3 formation. And they were both just tearing teams apart. But he's really regressed, I think, this season. It might just be overplaying, it might be injuries, whatever it is. But... But it was good that Rowett brought him back in. You don't want to just have him out in the cold. And never no, see him. there's no need for that. No, no. He's a, he's a good door. player. I agree. Uh, he's a good quality player. Yeah, he definitely is. And I think, I mean, imagine what it will be as he may be shaped up to be sold. Um, and Danny Mack kind of the ready-made replacement. And I think if that's the case, then I think he's he's been a very good Millwall servant. And I think he, he should go down as a, you know, not necessarily a Millwall great, but in terms of right-backs, definitely up there. He's... He really changed the game, I think, from the Alan Duns and the Jack Smiths of the days of old. You know, he showed us what an attacking positive right back can be. And I think I think his shot was going wide and uh, Bradshaw did quite just get a little toe on it. And in classic Matt Smith style, I think he will. <laughs> um, He's a striker. Such a shame. I think it would have been his maybe first or second goal. I think he scored his first on his debut, didn't he? And I think maybe he's got yeah. one, but yeah. I'm not even sure. So... For him to lung a lung busting run right at the end of the game and to have the confidence to take the effort on and you know something that Rowett said he wanted him to add to his game to have it taken away from him like that is a shame. But you know, I thought it, it capped off a, a positive performance on a return to the side for him, which I thought was well. Danny Mack will be be back in, but it'll be an interesting thing now, I think, till the end of the season to watch them battle it out for for that for that position. Uh, finished four-one, an excellent win, first win that Ryan's seen since 2019 at the Den, um, and you know a huge. It, it just raises your spirits for the weekend, Ryan, doesn't it? I mean, it's you know 
you could sit down and watch a watch a film on Saturday night, and you just like have this sense of well-being. I mean, it's, it's, the impact that football has on your life is 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 totally irrational. But there we are. Yeah, I mean, I t- I tweeted after the game, and I think it it did hit home. I think five, like five minutes after the game finished, where you know, I, I think I know Aaron's been saying it, but I definitely agree of and of the mindset where I'm not really enjoying football as much. Yeah. You know, during lockdown and with no fans, and I've I've been really struggling to get invested in it. You know, I still go to to Mill to cover the games, and I'm really privileged, really, that I can get to go to the, the stadium and, and be there and watch them. But you know, when I'm watching it on TV, I just I just zone out and I, I really struggle to focus on it. And I think you know, it was a great feeling to hear the quote playing after the win. And I just think if if fans were there, like the atmosphere would have been incredible after the win. After home that, yeah, I agree. The rain started hammering down. I just said, you know, it'd be the perfect Saturday to just in the pouring rain, get back to the pub and just spend the rest of the night there. And, you know, with, with people kind of shutting doors, I think it was, it just hit home a bit. There was, that that's what you want in football. It's not about as, as good as the win will make you feel. It's, you know, the, the night that you have after the win, you know, you, you're going Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, uh, I know, I remember when we, you know, when we beat um, Everton in the FA Cup and I went out after that game and everyone, I should imagine, went on the piss for the next couple of days. But, it does like you have a great night then because Mill have given you the bounce that you need. And I think it was a, a massive shame that there's no fans there to see that one for me because it was such a, a great performance that, that deserved it. It's a win that puts us on 35 points, eases We were on the brink of the uh, of the bottom three zone, but it kind of put some clear blue water really between ourselves and Birmingham in 22nd spot. They're on 28 points, we're on 35 points, and we sit in 13th um i mean there's the, the the wickham look like they are doomed um i mean they stand to be corrected but they look like they're relegation fodder now ryan sheffield wednesday's position obviously slightly um what's the word deflated by the by the six point penalty that they're carrying because of their financial issues from the start of the season but it's actually quite a tight relegation race i mean you got you got wednesday on 25 birmingham 28 derby 28 Rotherham won yesterday, 29 points, and Coventry and Forest 31-32. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few fairly big names in in that little group that um, you know won't be feeling safe at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think that Forest and Derby, I think, took people by surprise. Which yeah. I know, I know, one Michael Avery had Forest tipped for automatic promotion, which uh, I don't think he'll be too keen bringing back up. But you know, Rotherham have strung a couple wins together. Derby had a bit of a bounce under Rooney. But I think when Wednesday are in real, real trouble. They've you know not played their players again or not paid their wages in full again yeah. um, this month, and I think they're in still don't have a permanent manager, and I don't know why anyone would take that job at the moment. But they're in real trouble, and you know to see them go back down to League One would be a shame. But when you when you run a club that badly, I think you 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 do get what's coming to you, and you know I feel for Sheffield Wednesday fans because it's not their fault, but I think. I think bad owners do need to be made an example of at times. You know, game's got to sort itself out. I mean, it, it's, you know, if they hadn't got the the points deduction, they'd be up up and out of the near, nearer to us in mid table. Um, yeah, but, but like you say, it's got a you have to get your comeuppers, and I think Derby as well being down there is is the same. Where you know, yeah. team you can't Birmingham two right as well. I mean, that, yeah. yeah, Birmingham two. That, that I think that all those all three of those teams are getting what's been coming to them for a long time. You can't cheat your way through with, you know, breaking the rules, the finances and 
get away with it consistently. So I think it is a shame to see him down there, but that's why we've got those bigger names down there. I mean, for Birmingham, it's been coming for a long while, but Derby, you know, going for the playoffs last year, Wednesday, think they're going for the playoffs most years, but, you know, this has been coming and it'll be interesting to see. And I think the, the quicker Mill can get out of it, the the better. And if we can start looking up, that's uh, that's, that's better for me. We're going to take a little break. We're going to listen to the views and opinions of Michael of Mike and Harry, plus a phone call received on our answer phone. We'll be right back after these messages. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Well... I have to admit that the first 40 minutes made me think that we were only heading one way in this division, but a penalty given away by Sheffield Wednesday woke me all up, as well as half-time, and the second half performance was a bit more like it, wasn't it, listeners? A moment of quality, well, not a moment of quality, a, a a collective couple of moments of quality. Um, I thought Romeo's ball on the right that led to Malone's goal was fantastic. And obviously that goal, which is a fantastic goal in so many different ways, um, changes the outlook of the game. It's backed up by Thompson's stroke of good fortune a few minutes later, or literally from the restart. And we were better. We were much, much better from that point on. A very weird game. I don't really know how to describe it. We were, we were more Millwall, um, Romeo slash Bradshaw. I don't know. They've given it too late on as well. Um, but you can't you can't start how we did for forty minutes. So the problems are still there. We're probably uh, I don't know. Hopefully that gives the squad confidence. Hopefully they can play like we know they can. And that's the frustrating thing with this side. For you know, considering the fact we didn't have Jed and and a lot of players were supposed to be injured, we've done really well to get three points today, so you can't take that away from the team. 
and the management and so on. Um, but there we go. We shall see. Uh, I thought we looked really bad at the back in the first half. So uh, hopefully that won't continue. And uh, hopefully Leonard's not out for a while because we need Ryan Leonard because he's fast becoming our most important player. So there we go. But, uh, roll on. The next game, roll on another win at home. That'd be nice. First time in 109 days that we've won at home. Come on, you lines. It's been a long, long time coming. Personally, for me, that is the first time I've seen Millwall win at home since 2019, as uh, Ben Thompson leaves the ground next to me. What a fantastic performance, second half. I think after the first 35, 40 minutes, no one would have really seen that coming. Um, really good turnaround. Credit for Raul for changing it around. I think injuries forced it, but you know, you've got to give credit where credit's due. The, the substitutions made an impact. Tomo, great impact off the bench. Um, gave us a bit of thrust. It was a Wednesday side that were there for the taking and to be 1-0 down was really, really disappointing. Good character from the side that we haven't seen in a long while in an attacking sense, you know. Defended really well against Norwich in the week, but when the pressure is on to, to get the goals and get the breakthrough, it, it's, it's not happened for us this season. And Westwood makes a couple good saves and you start thinking it might not be our day. But then Millwall's best attacker in the guise of Scott Malone with an absolute Gaza-esque wonder goal and a, a fluky goal or a quality finish from Ben Thompson. You decide to, to put the cherry on the cake and unfortunately Romeo didn't quite get his goal. His, uh, I think it would have been his first goal since his debut. But I think it's Tom Bradshaw's that it goes down as. But a really, really positive win for Millwall. And it really changes the complexion of the season now. I think we almost start wondering what could what could happen with a, with another good run. But definitely need to build on it. Need to, to get three points again as soon as they can. Back up their performances and, and turn the season around. Come on, you Lions. Ying and Yang. Jekyll and Hyde. Any other sort of metaphors you can use for two things that were totally different? I mean, the first half was dire. The first half was absolutely awful. I didn't really see, uh, I didn't really see anything happening too much. It was just a bit flat. I know we 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 scored the pen, and I thought Ryan Leonard was was probably our our best player, except for the pass out to Zahor. Then he takes Ryan Leonard off, and then. Um, the new signing comes off and I'm thinking, what is going on here? But then the second half, what was said to those players? It's like in Space Jam, I think, where, where Michael Jordan gives them that secret drink. Um, it's actually just water, but it's the psychological factor because something was said because that second half was incredible. Malone's goal, yes, straight at the top drawer, it? really, really was a good finish. Um, Thompson's, I know some people are saying, was it deliberate, was it not? I, I don't think it was. Um, if you look on the replays of I follow, it was very much, uh, he, he was looking for the cross, but it's spectacular, wasn't it? Let's be honest. And then Marlon's finish, or do you give it to Bradshaw, slight deflection? But yeah, what a second half that was. And there was more fight, more determination. There was just just more everything, and and I think Max said it in the uh, said it in the commentary that you know it's probably the best second half performance you'll see me all do all season. And I've got to agree. You know we we were very 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 good second half, but it's what the it's classic Mike Hayden what he always says: we need to follow it up. We have to follow it up. You can't beat a team 
4-1 at home. And then in the next game, have a lacklustre nil-nil or, or lose. But also, I'll end, uh, I'll end this with a side note. And this is to uh, Carlo Bates, whose commentary was excellent as ever. Um, I think he's done really, really well this season. It's a nice little touch to say about, um, you know, we're getting closer to the fans coming back in because uh, weather's getting a bit darker. It's not particularly nice out there is it, at the moment. And, and you know, obviously there's a lot of things still going on in the world um, that aren't overly positive. But I did have to say, I did, a, I did have a little smile when he said that about, you know, wishing the fans were back and also... Um, and also the fact that you know every day is a bit closer to everyone coming back in because I do think um, I do think that it's, it's nice to hear and it, it's it's nice to see that the fans are missed. So well done, Carlo. Hello, hello, Nick. Tony Bundy here. Um, oh, makes the change, isn't it? Three points at home. Um, yeah, I thought it was a uh, brilliant second half today. Was it first half? It was. Uh, we were just gone back a few weeks. I thought Woods was. Cumberton, I thought he was ball watching at times and very negative on the ball. Um, I thought Bob Varson wasn't giving it much in the first half, wasn't running, giving you know, not a lot of runs. Uh, and we just looked a bit, yeah, just off the pace. Second half, I, I would have took Woods off and Bob Varson at half time, if I'm honest. But second half, I thought they were both absolutely superb. Woods moves up the park 10 yards and all of a sudden, Thompson means Thompson's ten yards further forward, and that's where he, that's where he's at his best, and he's a nuisance, and uh, and that's where he's at his best. Um, sort of creating space all afternoon, putting the defenders about. Um, but Bod Barson, his link play in the second half and his running was absolutely superb. Um, and, and Woods, I thought Woods was brilliant second half. Um, Thompson will start next game now. He's earned himself a start. Uh, I don't know, I thought all in all, I thought the passion, we, we just kept going forward once we uh, got in front. And that's something that's not been evident. Is it? And I just think that's down to a lack of confidence. But I think over the last few weeks, confidence has been growing along with the performances. Um, we've got players who are better on the ball now than we had before. It's obviously, Evans looked decent on the ball. Justin Bell, although he went off, it must have been injured, looks better on the ball. Malone's better on the ball. Woods is better on the ball. Um, it's all these players. The Hall's better on the ball. All these players are better on the ball than what we had before. And I just think, slowly but surely, it's all, all going to start coming together. I don't think we'll feed the benefit until next season when once Rowett gets his own forwards in and we sort of have the clear out that we're expecting in the summer. Anyone who can't see what we're trying to do, uh, you can see what we're trying to do. We're building. It's not an overnight job. I know people are moaning and, and that, but it's not a quick fix. Um, to be, it's a rebuilding job. I think we're getting there. Um, thanks a lot, Nick. Listening, um, come on, you lions. Achtung, Milbein. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to... Ryan, Ryan, I've had an email from Mike Bissaker, one of our regular correspondents, complaining at the poor. Not probably not one of the biggest issues, but in the, in a way it is because people pay money for, uh, for this. But the the poor production values of I Follow, um, and there's a, there's <laughs> it, it, it looks as a channel, um, and maybe we've got a bit spoiled by the by the excellent, in fairness, coverage that the likes of Sky and, and BT and and um, 
the other you know providers give us but it, it looks a little bit like a, a student just out of media studies being given the job of being producer for for, for the Millwall feed I mean there's a couple of incidents yesterday where the game was continuing and I think Sheffield Wednesday on the attack you would have missed this because you're at the game but you know you're still being shown a, a fairly nonsensical replay of a nothing incident whilst actual action is taking place at the uh, the middle end which was cleared thankfully by the time they did get back to it the the ball had gone out for a corner and you know Mike's Mike's point here is that it's uh, he calls it disastrous coverage uh, what can we do about it? He's asking. Um, probably not much, I suppose, Mike. Really, because um, they have a captive audience. Um, whilst they say, he says that Carl Bates and Max are talking before the game, introducing it, doing their kind of lead in. Uh, you get random adverts suddenly played out of nowhere over the top of them, which is yeah. I was going to I was going to mention that one because you know yeah Max and uh, Max and Carl could be halfway through a an interesting chat sometimes. A time. point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You your your your. What was it? War paint male makeup that I had. <laughs> you, were straight, you were straight on Google after that ad, weren't you? You didn't know it was out there. I, I well, were... the, the, the modern male is, uh, is, is, a, is a different thing to the male of my era, clearly, if that's what yeah. it is. Um, as, as much as I like seeing the, the ski jumps and the, the, <laughs> the husky and the, yeah. the husky advert, I do. Sometimes I do like to, uh, to, to hear Carl's pregame insight. But no, the, I follow such a weird one because obviously it's risen into prominence very very sh- very very quickly because obviously yeah. really only before for international I'd, I'd, I'd had a taste of it obviously when I, last year when i was living out out of the uk so i was watching all the games on the i follow yeah you know it wasn't great then but i think because i was far away and couldn't get to the games you kind of were happy to to get it and i think get anything was, yeah was, uh, i think it was 130 pound for the for the season so probably about a fiver a game mm. And I, I'm I'm really surprised that they haven't done a, an I follow season pass for the season. That was, you know, I know I suppose people have paid season tickets and they get the, the I follow that way. Yeah, but, you do. That's how I get the home games, and you pay for the away games. Which yeah, strangely, don't seem as bad. I mean, I, I, I tell me, listeners, what do you think? I, I think the, the the I follow at the Den seems particularly amateurish. Uh, I don't know if it's they have a local producer or what. Or, or they just sub it out to the local. I think it's I think it's all subbed out and controlled centrally by I follow. The, the weird thing with it is because there's there's a number of teams that don't use it. Obviously, Leeds last year when they were in the league don't use yeah. it. Swansea yeah. don't use it. But to, in order to have your own the own control over over your um, home recording games and your live streams, you have to pay iFollow to opt out. Right. I think it's like 75 grand, 150 grand maybe to okay. pay iFollow to not, for them not to cover your games, which doesn't make sense really. <laughs> it's a mafia deal, isn't it? <laughs> that's how it's, yeah, that's how it's set up. You know, if you, Protection if, you racket. Stop, if you want me to stop smashing your head against the table, please pay me 20. <laughs> <laughs> You know, other people would happily have it, but no, it's it's, it's a bit of a consistent problem. It's weird that they they don't seem to take much feedback. I know there's technical faults all the time with the video. I don't think the video has been having too many technical faults at times. And no, that side is all right. The, the buffering, I don't find an issue. Um, yeah, it's, it's the commentary. Another commentary. It's the, the the highlights that yeah really don't seem to make. You'd rather not have them at all, you know, and run through them at half time maybe when they've had a chance to put them together. I you know I think the couple where they they're on the red button on Sky. They don't have ad, they don't have the highlights in as much, no, and no, I, no. I don't mind watching a game without highlights. Really, you have to focus a bit more, and you never miss any of it. But there are some suspect choices at time. But unfortunately, I think it is the way it's going to be for now. 
Yeah, until we can get back in the stadium. I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying here, Mike. Too many shots of the benches whilst the game goes on, replays whilst the game goes on. Yeah, that is, that is a particular bugbear of mine. And, you know, Sky do it as well, where shooting to the bench or yeah. the particular person in the crowd, I, I, I know who the manager is. I don't care about what they're stand, like how they're standing. You know, I think it's a, a, it's, a classic football direct direction that, but I think it's someone who has no love or feel for the game that thinks what is an interesting shot in, you know, media school, what, what makes that, and then just do it without any real knowledge or feeling for the game. It's flow and and, and, and the incidents that, that are, are really important rather than what you are working from your list of important shots to, to get in. Um, yeah. so, so, no, great, great email. Big thank you to Mike. I don't know what we are going to offer anything other than agreeing with you, Mike, because I think we're stuck with this until... The moment comes where we've all been jabbed up and we can all come back to the football, which um, let's hope that's not too far away. Um, goodbye, Jiri Skalak, Ryan. Goodbye, Jirio. Skalak's gone. The, 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 the man, the era, the, the legend is over. Um, his contract was terminated five months before he was due to become a free agent. It's, it's been a strange departure, actually, for Jiri, because um, when this news broke, which I think was on Friday night, there was talk that he'd already signed for a Czech club, um, but then that doesn't seem to have actually happen. He's just been let go. We paid him to go, basically, a bit like your I follow deal there, really. Just go away, you know. Um, <laughs> strange deal, strange signing, strange, possibly one of the strangest, certainly the poorest big money signings in Mill history. And that, that, that's quite a, a glittering list of names that he's joining there in that, in, in, in that sentence. Yeah, I think especially for the, for the wages he came on and that, the fee that was paid, not obviously not a record fee or anything, but a sizable chunk, I, I imagine. And then obviously the wages to back that up, I think he will go down as, as one of the worst Millwall signings of all time. And he's in, you know, he's in, he's in with Goddard. He's in the Goddard sentence. Let's put it that yeah, way. And I, it's a, it's an odd one. I, I remember obviously you said that in the FA Cup game against Bristol City. You know, why on earth did he get on the pitch? Yeah, ahead of the younger players when yeah, you know, if, if this this would have been in in talks and you see him sometimes when I'm leaving the ground after the game and you see him getting into his, his brand new Range Rover and you're, you're thinking, <laughs> why, like, why is he still showing up? Like, why are the club persisting? Obviously they have to negotiate with the agent. He must have a fantastic agent working for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes things don't work out. I think you can see Harris's reasoning to bring him in. He, he played well for Brighton when they got promoted and Czech international was yeah, a winger yeah. and had that brilliant. For one reason or another, it didn't work out. I remember the summer before last, obviously, before Harris departed, all the talk was Yuri's got fit. He didn't come back fit with the right attitude, but he's fit now and he's going to be in the squad and he's going to lead us to glory. And then first game that he got his chance against Fulham injured and he wasn't back and then came back for a bit injured. And it was just, it just never happened. And you can tell Rowett never fancied him. I think the memories we'll have of, the, the the last minute goal against against Huddersfield on the last day of the season in a, the deadest of rubbers, I think. <laughs> sums up jury. Goal of the decade, I think. But you know, to come on in, in a situation like that, Nick, where there's absolutely nothing riding on it yeah, and yeah, to capitalize yeah. on a defensive mistake to tap it into an empty net. I mean, what an impact. What an impact from a, a phenomenal player. And I'm sure he will be who who are the Czech champions these days? I mean um, I mean the, the, the scramble to sign in must be in fury, as Sky, Czech, uh, Sky, Czech Sky Sports News at the moment is absolutely ablaze with 
I'm trying to think of big uh, Czech clubs. Slavia Prague. Um, Slavia Prague will be in no end. Dukla, Dukla Prague. Uh, I don't know if they, these are all Cold War era sides. I don't know if they still exist under those names. But... Uh, on, my, on my one venture to Prague, I stayed in there. There's a hotel built into the side of Slavia Prague's uh, stadium, and I, okay. I stayed in there. And so I imagine Yuri will be straight over there, I think, <laughs> to. Uh, to put his feet up, have a lovely view of the pitch that he will never walk on while he's sitting on the bench for another 12 to, to 18 months. And in, in 12 months' time, the, the Dukla or Slavia uh, proud coach will say he's been no trouble. <laughs> absolutely no trouble. He has not knocked on my door once. I don't speak Czech, but a kind of problemer in German. That's probably a very incorrect choice of words for the, from the Czech perspective. I apologise to our Czech listeners for that um and finally ryan just to close I, I, I thought the memorial day idea was really nice nicely done by the club and we we do these things so well we do had the the captain something in the week it was nicely done it wasn't over the top or mawkish um but acknowledged a, a national figure and hero and the memorial day equally was also nicely done very you know delivered very discreetly and done well i thought the the, the video of the of the fans um have been lost in the last years i think it's a really nice idea and john berylson's notes um acknowledging the uh the, the you know donation of charlie harris the 84 year old chap who's suffering with uh terminal uh illness and also sean ash another um i think he was in a, a london ambulance um worker who's been struck down with a paralysis and actually managed to do a zimmer walk around the the edge of the pitch for, for to generate funds for the LAS. Um, and I, I just love this this piece that John's written in the programme. I just wanted to get it in before we close. Um, he couldn't be prouder to represent a club that has these kinds of fans. And I just think that's that's wonderful. It was really nice, nice gesture by the club yesterday, I felt. Yeah, I, I saw just before we started recording, I think I think it was Glenn Hodges, I think he tweeted out saying, you know, should, are we getting to the point where we should be naming a stand after John yeah, Berylson? Sort of, and, yeah. and I think, you know, stands aside and uh, gestures aside I think we it, it, don't overlook it but I think that you do need times to reflect I think it was a wonderful thing done by the club and, and handled well obviously with no fans in the, the stadium and to highlight some of the stuff you know the cancer deadline day that's been going on yeah, and, yeah, and Sean yeah. Ash's walk the, those sort of efforts are like they really warm the heart and, and make you proud of the club that, that do get dragged through the mud at times you know but John Berylson is a has been a fantastic fantastic owner and and you know ambassador for the club as well he, he's really stood by them in thick and thin when there's bad media coverage he stands by the club i think a, a lesser owner who doesn't quite want the heat of what Millwall brings i think would easily walk away and i think yeah he, I agree. You know, I, he must be missing it obviously not really being able to to come to games he was obviously at pretty much every home game um when he's allowed in the stadium and well he owns the club i'm sure he's very much allowed in but Obviously, with travel restrictions and, and testing and isolation and red zones, amber zones, with the with the, the quite strict regulations there at games, I'm sure he's not allowed into too many at the moment with ease. But the the club owe him a massive debt, and I think especially through COVID, where I mean a number of occasions really where we're backs to the wall in terms of fighting for our lives with the, with the CPO and yeah. and again with 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 COVID and the finances and how the club is losing money. He's always been on hand to to back it, to put his hand in his pocket and and help the club out. And we've been as as steady as we have been for a long, long time and doing well on the pitch at times, you know, getting close to promotion and having some really good memories under him. And I think 
what what a bloke really and i think he, he will definitely you know when he eventually does depart millwall will be with a, a heavy heart and i think with the respect and, and admiration of every millwall fan around for a long time to come i th- i agree well said um really really hope so you generally name things after people when they're they're gone so to speak i mean i'm a jeski named his own stadium but i feel that's crass i'm sure john berylson is not uh, the, the same mind I'm, I, it's, it's crass to name something after yourself so i don't think john will be doing that but i do agree that um when that day comes that's the moment for something a stand you could argue the, the stadium itself in some ways um because of the the reasons that you just said and um to be stable to be in existence through the covid year which has been one of the most extreme experiences since 1939 to 45 um financially you know we're seeing big name clubs we just mentioned them at the bottom of the table suffering struggling with um poor decision making and our own dear lines carry on and you know not without some some effort but we, we we're still in the game we're still in it and that's that's a, a small miracle that's down to the support that john brings so no i agree um john berylson certainly one of the best arguably the best chairman ever at mill club uh, Mill Football Club. So um, nice way to finish. I just want to finish with the last sentence on his piece in the um, in the program. He's thanking everyone for the charitable efforts that um, Mill fans generally, and they do generally, undertake huge amounts on behalf of um, very many good causes. Thank you to each and every one of you who continue to go above and beyond, not just in the name of good good name of football, but for the society generally. I don't know where we'd be without you. Nice way to finish, Ryan. I think so. Definitely. Well done, John Berylson. Big thank you to Ryan Loftus for joining me on this Sunday morning. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much. It's good to, hopefully the sleet and the wind, I don't know what it's like around you at the moment, but it's not looking pleasant out. And I've, I've got to go do my big shopping this with a, a girlfriend who's refusing to leave the house. So hopefully the <laughs> spring in my step can, can keep me warm as I, as I whistle uh, rocking all over the world around the Sainsbury's. That's a good cue for the, to play us out today. Thank you, Ryan Loftus. Thank you for uh, to the listening, dear listeners. We've got a week of um, rest and relaxation, R&R, so um, we might put a show together in a week. I don't, I'll see how the fancy takes me. If not, we'll be back next weekend after the Reading game. So until then, it's Arriva Dirty Millwall. Bye for now. Achtung. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.